just look in Ephesians 6 again, and we'll start here tonight. Ephesians 6 and verse 10, it says there, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. You have to put it all on. Amen. So that's why we're going to go through each part. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And this is why we need the armor of God, because we have an enemy. And you know what? And, and he um, does go around as a lion. He's not a lion, but he goes around as a lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's just the way he operates. He's just persistent in stalking his prey. And he does, um, he does set out to devour, but praise God, he won't devour you. Amen. Yeah. That's why you have the armor of God on, so that he won't devour you. Amen. We, we said about Peter that um, Jesus told Peter that Satan desired to sift you as wheat. But you know what? Peter just went on ahead in the armor of God and fulfilled the plan of God upon his life. Amen. He didn't get it perfect, Peter. We looked at that last week. You know, we went through... A, a a period there where Paul had to rebuke him because he was being hypocritical. But you know what? Um, Peter still talked about Paul with such love. He said, our beloved Paul. You know, Peter just went on and did what God called him to do and lived his life based on the word of God. And at the end of his life, he was telling, you know, people to stick with the word. He said, I'll keep putting you in remembrance of these things, even though you know them. I'm not going to be negligent. I am going to keep reminding you of these things. Do you know why? Because Peter knew the importance of the word of God. It's what kept him all of those years. And he said, we have a more sure word of prophecy, and that is the Bible. And so that is the truth. And Peter got a good hold of the truth and got his belt tightened. And you know what? Went on and did what God called him to do. And you know what? In all of our lives, if we miss it, if we miss it in an area, it's not over. It's not over. Just tighten that hurry up and just get on with the call of God upon your life. And so that's what we seen with, with Peter last week. But um, let me just look down here in verse um, um, 13. It says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand or withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. That's what we're looking at at the minute. Having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Again, not as Satan. He's the, he's the wicked one. And then it says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Amen. So we're looking at the, at the, the belt of truth. And again, I had this image up and just, you know, you can see that belt again where it protects your loins, your mid area. You know, it was said about that, them parts that hang down, they protect, protect your reproductive areas and, and truth keeps you productive. Amen. It keeps you productive as a believer. And it's important to have the word in you. When you have the word in you, it effectually works in you and it makes you productive as a believer. Praise God. Um, we've seen lots of things with the loins. I'm not going to go back all over that again, but, but just to say it is your core, it is your strength. It is that mid area that the Bible um, talks about. And so thank God there is protection for that. And the truth protects you from the lies of the devil. 
devil, from the deceptions of the devil. And if you don't have the truth, the belt of truth on, you'll fall for deceptions. You'll fall for lies. Satan is a master with words. He knows how to phrase things in a way that it sounds right, but it doesn't mean to say that it is right or it sounds appealing. Um, it can sound logical. You know, they're, they're, he has phrases that just, they're, they're cliches. And it's amazing how many people, you know, have a herd mentality where they just follow whatever is popular. But as believers, we're not in this for the popularity. We're in this here because we love God and we believe what God says. And God's word will go contrary many times to society. But um, if you love the truth, you'll stand for the truth in society. Amen. Now, what we started to look at was this, not just truth for us in the New Testament, because all the word of God is truth. But Peter said we live in the present day truth. And what is the present day truth? The present day truth is what Jesus introduced, and that is grace and truth. Thank God that we live under grace and truth. Because sometimes people can take the word of God and they can go back underneath the Old Testament law and bring people into bondage. And that's what the whole book of Galatians is about. And I just hit titbits on that over the last couple of weeks. Because the Bible lets us know that we're to stand fast in the freedom that is in Christ Jesus. You have to stand fast in your freedom. And that is not a freedom to sin. As many people think, that's a freedom of who you are in Christ Jesus so that you don't go back to rules and regulations. Galatians teaches how you can come under the influence of the Holy Ghost. And when you come underneath the Holy Ghost, the influence of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God, what happens is the Holy Spirit starts developing things and producing things through your life. Amen. So in your spirit, you already have the fruit of the Spirit, but by the Holy Ghost, it is activated in our lives. And when you walk in the fruit of the Spirit, there's not a law that can compete with it. Actually, the, the fruit of the Spirit is superior. And so we don't need to be under um, rules because rules only tell you what to do, but I'm telling you the Holy Ghost and the grace of God empowers you to be able to overcome in life. So you can just make people Pharisees by just telling them what to do and what not to do. And they just, they just become religious. And after a while, it becomes a competition. And the religious Pharisees, they were like that. Everything they did was to be seen of men and to get the approval of man. And they lived for the appearance of spirituality. But they were not spiritual. Okay? True, truly being spiritual is coming under the influence of the Holy Ghost. That's what being spiritual is. And allowing the Holy Spirit to minister in you and you live out of your spirit. That is being spiritual. It is not just um, having a facade of holiness. Jesus said that the Pharisees were hypocrites. They acted from behind a mask. That what they put out was not really who they were. But I tell you, the Holy Ghost changes you from the inside out. Instead of changing from the outside in, the Holy Spirit changes you from the inside out. That's why when you put the Word in, the Word of God goes to work in you and it starts to produce through you by the Holy Spirit. And I, I like to call that organic um, holiness. Because we're holiness is meant to come out of a relationship with God. Um, many times people think holiness is what gets you, you know, brings you close to God. So people want to be holy to have God's favor in their life. No, let me tell you, you are in your spirit, you are holy because it's created in righteousness and true holiness. When you come under the influence of the Holy Ghost, he starts to change you from the inside out. And it's organic holiness, which means it's living. It's out of a living experience. 
Christianity is meant to be living. Religion is dead. Religion is dead, works, dead rules. And that's why the, um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, um, Paul said, The law, it kills, but it is the spirit that gives life. And so you can be under law, and it's, it's, it's lifeless. But praise God, when you're under the new covenant, it's living. Amen. And that's why we have newness of what? Life. It is a living experience. Praise God. And I love that. That's just, that's just how I build my life. From a living experience with a living God. Amen. Um, and John um, 1, we see there as well that the law was given by Moses in verse 17. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And that's what we're looking at. There's a clear distinction there. So when we're putting on the belt of truth, remember the, the epistles are our real meat. We learn from all the Bible, but I tell you, we live in the reality of the epistles because we're new covenant believers, okay? But we learn from all of the Bible. Praise God. We don't chuck half of the Bible out. You know, what? We, we, we learn from it all. All the word is truth. But I tell you, where we live, we live in the new covenant. That is our covenant. Praise God. So we need to be aware of our covenant and we need to know what Jesus came and brought, and that was grace and truth. So grace and truth come together. They never are separated. I said it's like eating bread and jam. Every time you take a bite, it's bread and jam. It's never jam and it's not bread, it's bread and jam. So for us in the new covenant, it's not just truth. Because sometimes people like to take truth and they like to, to beat people up with, with certain things. And many times they're coming from the Old Testament, like we looked at last week, like dietary laws. And then when you come over to the New Testament, you realize that under the New Covenant, we don't have dietary laws. Amen. As I said last week, you know, people eat your pet. No, that's okay. No, not to eat your pet. You won't let them eat your pet. But you know what? In different cultures around the world, you know, when we, when we bring the gospel to people, we don't, we're not telling people to change their culture unless their culture is um, against the word of God. When you, bring, when you bring the gospel, what are you doing? You're bringing Jesus to people. It's not, you know what, Jesus died for you, plus you're not allowed to eat pork. But there's many people that will bring you into condemnation for eating pork or eating shrimp. But if you don't know the truth, you'll live in that bondage and you'll feel condemned before God because of what you at. But in the New Testament, praise God, we can pray over it and eat it. Amen. So that's, that's, that's where we live. We live in the new covenant reality. Um, let me look over in um, Acts 15. Just something that I, I want to just hit on here. Just ending from last week. But you know, remember I said last week about they went to the Jewish, uh, they went to the Jerusalem Council to, to, to settle these issues with the Gentiles. You know, could Gentiles get saved? And the Gentiles have to keep the law to get saved. Did you have to be circumcised to be saved? Did you have to keep the Ten Commandments to be saved? Or could you just put faith in what Jesus done for you at the cross? Amen. Through his death, burial, and resurrection. And you know what the reality of it is? It, it is what Jesus done for us. It's not Jesus plus your eating habits. It's not Jesus plus the length of your hair, the length of your skirt. Do you wear makeup? Don't wear makeup. Do you go to the shop on a Sunday? It is none of those things that people many times bring, bring people into bondage for salvation. 
It has nothing got to do with, you know, when you, you receive Jesus, but, you know, you can't listen to that song anymore. You can't listen to that. Let me tell you, when you walk with God, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you will start to change you. You don't need to have someone just put a bunch of rules on you because many times people will put their rules on you. Okay? But you know what? I've found the Holy Ghost guide you. There are things I used to listen to I don't listen to anymore. It's not because, you know what, necessarily it's even wrong. It's just, it just doesn't do anything for me anymore. So there's things I, but I'm not going to make a law and come out here and teach my music list that you all should have the same one. That's how you bring people into bondage. So sometimes people preach their own personal convictions and bring people under bondage doing that. That's, let me tell you, we have the epistles, we have the Holy Ghost, amen. And thank God we, ha- we have the grace of God. And by the Holy Spirit, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit starts to lead and guide our lives. Amen. And I always love what Andrew Walmack used to say. Do you know what? You'll end up more holy accidentally than you ever did on purpose. And that is the reality of it. When you walk with the Holy Ghost and you come under grace, true grace, you'll end up being more holy accidentally than you ever would have on purpose. Amen. Because you fall in love with God. And when you fall in love with God, it's amazing what you fall out of love with. And it's living, it's real. It is not, it's not trying to please people. It's because you have a living relationship with God. There's things I don't even think about today. It's not because, you know what, it's a big temptation. We all have temptations in different areas. But you know what, I have, there's areas where I've just fallen in love with God. That those things don't appeal to me anymore. Because they can never replace Jesus. That's true holiness. Are we perfect? No. But I tell you, it's from the inside out. It's living. Amen. Now, look at this here in Acts 15. It says, Wherefore my sentence is, this was James saying this, the pastor of Jerusalem, that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turning to God, okay? What it's saying there is we don't trouble them, okay? Let me just read this here in the the, um, New Living Translation. It says, So my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Do you know what? Many times people make it difficult. Do you know how you make it difficult? You, bu- you jump up a whole list of hoops that you have to jump through or hurdles you have to jump over to get to Jesus. Let me tell you what grace does. Grace removes all the obstacles and gives you a free run to Jesus. Amen. Or a free run to the Father through Jesus. Because Jesus is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. If you get a free run to Jesus, you get to the Father through Jesus. Amen. It's not a bunch of things that you have to jump through. A lot of people are trying to clean the fish before they catch the fish. They're trying to change people's lives. They preach behavior to people instead of Jesus. Get people to Jesus. Let Jesus save them. And I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost will then start working on people and they'll change by being underneath the word. Amen. So we're not meant to make it difficult for people to come to God. Let me tell you what the belt of truth does in the new covenant, the grace and truth of the new covenant. What it does is it surgically removes the Pharisee from us. Then he's ever had to have Pharisee mindsets removed. I've had to. In my Christian walk, I've had to. I used to be number one person for judging and condemning people. 
And you know what? I thought I thought I had the right to do it because I was in church every time the doors opened. I was living a very sad apart life, but I didn't realize the trap that I was falling into of being number one judge kind of a thing. I'm not saying it was number one judge, but I'm sure there was other people who were giving me a good race. <laughs> but I'm saying I was, I was, I would have got through to the next rounds in X Factor, okay? I just put it that way, of judging. But there was periods in my life until I understood the grace of God. I understood the grace of God and salvation. And it's amazing if you preach performance. And let me tell you, I wasn't purely, I, I had a good revelation of grace. But it was, it was a lot of mixture with it. But I tell you, there came a stage a good few years ago now where I got a revelation of grace and I understood that I'm saved by grace, I'm accepted by grace, and everything that God has for me is by grace. I just need to walk by faith, not my performance. I need to be in the Word so that I can stay in a place of believing, not trying to earn. Amen. I don't earn nothing. You don't earn anything from God. What we do is we hear the Word until faith comes. When faith comes, we believe God. We are believers. Amen. Amen. We're believers. We have faith actions. But they're actions out of faith. Faith has to come first, then you act. I'm not trying to do something to pull God's arm from behind his back to give me something. God's arm is already outstretched to each one of us. Amen. So we don't need to make it hard for the unsaved to come to Jesus. And we don't need to make it hard for believers to come and receive from living grace. Amen. Because we still live by grace because we live by faith. Faith accesses the grace of God. Amen. Amen. Now, let me look over here in, in John 8 for a wee second. In John 8, in verse 30, it says, As he spake these words, this is Jesus. It says, Many believed on him. Then said Jesus unto those, look at that, those Jews which believed on him. Look at that. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples. And you shall what? know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Let me tell you, truth. Well, Jesus came in grace and truth, okay? So grace and truth, what does it do? It makes you free. You shall know the truth. Now, who was Jesus speaking to here? In verse 31, it says he was speaking to Jews, okay? And if you read in this verse, you will see that this is a, a whole Jewish mindset here, okay? Or this chapter, sorry, you'll see a whole Jewish mindset here. Let me tell you, the Jews understood the law, but they were not free. Because the law can't set you free. Amen. The law can't save you. That's what Galatians is all about. It can't save you and it can't cause you to live a life of freedom. That's why you stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Jesus is speaking to these Jews who believed. And Jesus saying, if you continue in my word, amen, you will know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Amen. Look down in verse um, um, 33. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we were never in bondage to any man. Well, many know that's not true. They were in bondage. At this time, they were in bondage. The Romans were over them. They were in Babylon. They were in bondage. They had been, as Abraham's seed had been in bondage. Okay. 
So they said, How sayest that you, you shall make us free? And Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin. It didn't matter whether they were the physical descendants of Abraham, they still were sinners in need of a Savior. Because Romans says that the Gentile and the Jew were all under sin because all sinned and came short of the glory of God. Amen. They were the natural descendants of Abraham, but that didn't save them. You still had to get saved. Okay. You had to exercise what Abraham did. Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. The only way you can get saved is by faith. There's no other. You can't get saved by works. In the Old Testament or in the New Testament, you can't get saved by works. You can only get saved by faith. Okay? And so um, Jesus is letting them know whoever commits sin is the servant. He's talking about the sin nature here. So um, the law couldn't set anybody free from sin. Okay? It says, And the servant abides, abideth not in the house forever. But as Jesus says, But the son abides forever. You see, Jesus was, was without sin, so he could come to our rescue. And that's why it says there, If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen. Praise God. I tell you, the law can't save you, but Jesus can. That's why you know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Praise God. It's the Son who sets you free. Thank God there's freedom from sin in Jesus. Amen. But there's also freedom from bondages in any of our lives, even after salvation, addictions and things that trip our lives up. Only through Jesus is there freedom. That's why I'm saying a lot of people want to go back to Moses for freedom there is no freedom in Moses these were Jews who knew the law and yet they weren't free freedom was standing looking them in the face in the person of Jesus Christ there is only freedom in Jesus there is not freedom in Moses okay Moses could point you to Jesus that's the schoolmaster to point you to Jesus but only Jesus can set free that's why there's so when we put this belt on you need to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Amen. Amen. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. If you leave Christ, you go back under bondage. You may you'll still be saved if you've got saved, but you go back under um, bondage. You go back under that um, mindset of law that can't free you. That's why Jesus said, continue in my word. And you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Praise God, it's the word that changes us and sets us free. That's why we're to continue in the word. Because it's a word that sets us free. Yes. Amen. Look at um, John 8 for a second. This is, again, we looked at this at the beginning of this series on um, the belt of truth. But look at John 8 and verse 44. It says, Jesus said to them, You are off your father, who? The devil. You see, just being a natural descendant from Abraham doesn't save you. Jesus said, you're off your father, who? The devil. And the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, um, er, when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Who was he speaking to? 
He's speaking to people who knew the law. You can't embrace the law and be free. You can only embrace Jesus and live in freedom. Amen. It's so important to know it. Stand fast in the liberty we're with. Christ has set us free. Don't leave Christ, in other words. Don't leave Jesus. That's why Paul said to them in Galatians, Who has bewitched you? Who got your focus off Jesus? You were living in the freedom in Christ. Jesus was changing your life by the Holy Spirit. You know, they got saved, and then Jesus was changing their lives. I'll not get back into Galatians. I have too many verses coming to my mind there, and I won't get through what we're going to talk on this evening here just for a bit before we close. But, you know, I just want you to see that there's a clear difference. That's why the Bible says um, uh, the law came by Moses. These guys, if you read in the Gospels, you will see that they've seen themselves as the disciples of Moses. Okay? They were the disciples of Moses. But Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. You'll be my disciples. Okay? Not the disciples of Moses. I'm not a disciple of Moses. I follow what Jesus won for me. Amen? And who I am in Christ Jesus. That is where my foundation lies. I learn from all of the Bible because it's all truth. We need it all to have a clear picture of of, of um, you know, everything that God has done for us. You need, when you look at it from the old up, you can see how Jesus came, what he delivered us from and all of those things. But when you take your stand, you stand in the freedom that Christ has won for you. If, if you can't do that, you don't have your belt on. The Pharisees knew the truth of the Old Testament, but they didn't have on the belt of truth. But I tell you, Paul and Titus, as we looked at last week, boy, they had the belt of truth on. They knew what the Word said. Amen. And we need to know what the Word says for us as well. Praise God. Now, let me just um, show you just the start of this chapter, chapter 8. This is the portion of Scripture. Do you remember when the woman was caught in the very act of adultery? And um, she was brought... Um, into the temple and Jesus is in the temple at this time and it says here let me just look here um, Jesus went into the Mount of Olives and early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came unto him and he sat down and he taught them it says and the scribes and the Pharisees look at that there here's these religious people okay these were the disciples of Moses Okay, so the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they brought on to him a woman caught in the act of adultery. Is the adultery sin? Yes. Yes. So we're going to see how Jesus dealt with this, okay? Because many times people think people of grace, you know what, are loose when it comes to sin. That is not true. We are people of grace and truth. Not, not just grace and not just truth, but grace and truth. Okay? People say, oh, if you teach grace, you, you'll give people a license to sin. It depends how you teach it. It says here, and, and the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, now where is this? This is in the temple. They have taken her into the temple, which is the holiest site for the Jewish people. 
I'm telling you, there's one thing being in shame in public, but then being brought in, if you have any type of religious thinking and being put right in the center of religion and all of your sin exposed in front of everyone. Now, in my understanding, it takes two to commit adultery. Okay. But where was the guy? They just took the woman. Okay. And they took the woman in the center, right in the middle of the temple. But do you want me to tell you, here's the reality of it. The temple wasn't the holiest thing there. The holiest thing was a person. His name was Jesus. Amen. Sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Let's see how he deals with it. Because you can see how religion deals with people that have, have sin. Look, all of sin and came short of the glory of God. That's the starting place. We all need the Savior, okay? Um, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Here's like, so to speak, here's the photographs. You know what I mean? With we proof. So she was taken in the very act. They had witnesses to this. Look at this here. Now Moses in the law commanded us that she should be stoned. But what say you? They thought they had him in a perfect trap. Moses said, this woman should be stoned. What do you say, Jesus? Let me tell you, there is a clear distinction between the law and grace and truth. Amen? A clear distinction. So notice that Moses in the law commanded us. Look at that. They said this tempting him. Their motives was not pure. They were out to, to catch Jesus out. They wanted to catch. They didn't care about this woman. Let me tell you, religion is all about rules. Jesus is interested in winning the person. They were interested in stoning the woman. Jesus was interested in freeing the woman. Because you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Amen. And um, it says, they said this tempted him that they might have to uh, accuse him. Who's the accuser? Satan's the accuser. Okay. It says here, but um, Jesus stooped down with his finger and wrote on the ground as they had, as if he had not heard them. And you know, there's all different speculations of what Jesus wrote and what he put there. Sometimes people think, you know, did he write all, uh, you know, some of their names and the women that they were with? You know what I mean? Their sins or whatever. I don't know what Jesus wrote on the ground. But I know on type, the law was given on stone and they were in the temple. I used to think they were out in the street doing this here. Because any of the pictures I ever seen, it was out in the street and it was the muck and all the street. No, it says they were in the temple. And the temple floor was made of stone. So who knows what Jesus wrote? Was he writing the Ten Commandments out? I don't know, but I'll tell you what. Jesus is about to put the law on them full throttle in their face. Because here's the thing. When you judge people, it's coming back to you. Amen. When you put a finger out of many, you know it's three pointing back. And I tell you, when it comes to judging, no one can stand up because everybody has broke the law. And Jesus is about to put the law on them in full force. Let me tell you, the law is designed for us to cry out for mercy. The law is designed for us to cry out for grace. This woman needed grace, but here's the reality of it. All of them needed grace as well, but they couldn't see their need of grace. And a lot of times people can't see it. A lot of religious people can't see their need of grace. Jesus stooped down, he rode in the ground. 
Look at verse 7. So when, so when um, they continued asking him, they just kept asking and asking, what are you going to do? He lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. Let him cast the first stone, should say, at her. What did Jesus do? He turned it, the law full throttle on them. Because by the law, all the world is guilty before God. By the law is the knowledge of what? Sin. Jesus just put the law on them and said, let's just see how well you're doing. Whoever hasn't sinned here, you throw the first stone. And they all had to leave. And the Bible says they left from the eldest to the youngest. Who was convicted first? The eldest. Do you know why? The longer you live, the more you realize you're not perfect. And you know what? God changes us and thank God that he does. But no matter how old you get, you're not going to be perfect. When you're saved, you're perfect in your spirit. But you're not perfect outwardly. If we would understand that, we'd have more compassion for people. Because let me tell you, every one of us need grace and truth. Everyone does. It says, when they heard it being convicted of their own conscience, they went out one by one, beginning from the eldest to the last. And look at that. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Let me tell you, grace will remove every obstacle and leave you face to face with Jesus. That's what grace does. It'll remove all of the accusers. Look, there's none of us have got it all perfect. The answer is not beat someone down because condemnation doesn't set people free. The answer is people need Jesus and his grace. It's Jesus and his grace and truth that sets a person free. Let me tell you, this woman sinned. Jesus never, ever did Jesus say sin was okay. But Jesus loves the person. He knows how to reach the person. He knows how to to suck the poison out, so to speak. Remove the poison without, you know, hurting the individual. You understand? He knows how to remove and heal. Verse 10, it says, When Jesus lifted himself up and saw that there was none um, there but the woman, Jesus said, Where are your accusers? Hath, Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, look at this here, neither do I condemn you. Amen. Now, when she said, where are your accusers? Does no man condemn you? It wasn't because they didn't want to. They wanted to condemn her. But Jesus' words convicted them of their own failures that they couldn't pick up a stone and throw. That they had to leave. They, if they'd have been smart, they would, have, they would have dropped the stone, so to speak, and said, Jesus, what's the answer? We need you. Because we realize we're not perfect. That's what they should have said. But that woman, she was left there. And the reality of it is, the only one who could have condemned her because he was perfect, didn't. Do you know why? Because Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. Jesus came to save. He came to save. Why? Because he loved that woman. He wanted that woman free. You see, Jesus knows how to get to the heart of the issue. There's a lot of people do things, and we see the actions, but Jesus sees the heart. 
Jesus sees why they're doing it. What is it that is broken there that causes people to do what they do? And Jesus is a master technician who is able to deal right in the core of them. Amen. Now, Jesus didn't say, neither do I condemn you, and just say, go. See, that's how many people preach grace. They teach it, go and sin. Oh, this is great. This grace thing is brilliant. I'm telling you, sin's not brilliant because it brings you into bondage. And anybody that sins, look, we, none of us are perfect, but sin doesn't set a person free. Sin brings a person into bondage. And we all know that because we all have dealt with areas in our life. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't say, neither do I condemn you, go and sin. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. Do you see, that's, that's grace and truth in action. Jesus didn't say sin was okay. Never should we say sin is okay. And that's where, I've seen grace where people have went to that extreme where they start saying, because they don't have truth, they only have grace. They can't even tell what's wrong anymore. Yeah. They don't know what's wrong. We should know what's wrong. We should know what's right and wrong. But the aim is not just to stand there with a finger telling everybody what's wrong in their life. The aim is to help people. Yeah. And it's grace and truth that helps a person. Sometimes you can look a person in the face and say, I know you messed up, but you know what? I love you. And hug them. Mm-hmm. Speak the truth in what? Love. Amen. We speak the truth. We, we never compromise on the truth. We don't compromise. I don't compromise on sexuality. I don't compromise on gender. I don't compromise on any of those things. You know, I've had people come up to me and tell me, oh, Paul, isn't this grace thing um, brilliant? And they're off their head. And I just look at them and say, that's not grace. Because that's not grace. Amen. Jesus done the same thing with the woman at the well as well. When he came to her, you know what? He went through the whole situation with her. He told her, I have something to give you. This woman had been misused and abused. This woman had been, you know, had went through man after man after man after man after man. I'm telling you, she was misused. She was hurt. She was bruised. She was had inner wounds. She was rejected by people. The women didn't want to be with her. She had a reputation. She had all of those kind of things. And Jesus met her out of well. And Jesus said, I have something for you. But Jesus loved that woman so much that he just didn't say, I'm just going to give you living water. He got to the hurts in her life. He got down and talked to her about her relationships and all of those kind of things. And he was able to tell that woman, the situation you're in is wrong. Living together outside of marriage, it's wrong. And you know what? But you know what? Jesus was there to help this woman. This woman, you know, had, had five husbands and now the man she's with, she's just shacking up with him, as they often say. And it's not marriage. But I'm telling you, Jesus was there to minister to that woman because the answer is Jesus. This woman needed value in her life. This woman needed to know that there was someone who wasn't going to take advantage of me like everybody else. Let me tell you, Jesus didn't come to take from us. Jesus came to pour in us. With him pouring in us, it changes you on the inside to where you turn around and say, you know what, I have more respect for myself. You know what, if you want to be with me, well then, you know what, get a ring on the finger kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Because you know what, I'm not a piece of meat. And you know what, Jesus gives value to people. Praise God that he does. And, um, but you know what? When Jesus said to her, let me just look, John 14 and verse 18. Uh, Jesus spoke to her about her relationships. Uh, and she said, for thou, hast, or for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom, the, uh, or he whom 
thou now hast is not thy husband. In that sayest thou what? Truly. She was saying what Jesus had said there. But in now sayest thou what? Truly. Let me tell you, Jesus is grace and truth. Jesus was there for that woman, but Jesus didn't avoid truth. Grace and truth is not allergic to sin. To where, you know what, hide away from it. Grace and truth will deal with sin, but it deals with it in a loving way because you're interested in the person, not just condemning. All the Pharisees cared about was condemning people. All the Pharisees were interested was, was just standing up back, we're holier now, and judging everybody. Jesus was right in the middle with people where people had real hurts and problems. He didn't condone their sin ever. Never did Jesus ever condone sin. He hates sin. The Bible tells us that. God hates sin because of the hurt that it does to people. And God loves people enough to reach into people and help set them free. Amen. Look over here for a second. Romans chapter 6. I just want to show you these couple of things because many times people, when they talk about grace, they, they, they think that people are saying it's okay to sin. And grace is not a license of sin. See this belt of grace and truth? Truth. But New Covenant is grace and truth. Do you see this belt? It is a belt of freedom. Praise God. It will free you from religion, but it also frees you in life from things that hold you and bind you. Look at that there. Romans 6 and verse 1. It says here, What shall we say then? That shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Do you know what? That is the obvious question when you teach on grace. Because people will ask, are you saying sin's okay? Because grace is greater than sin and bigger than sin. So is it okay to sin and just sin and get away with it? That's not what it says. What's the answer? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin? You see, when you get saved, your spirit is a new spirit, and now you have died to that old nature, okay? So you're dead to sin. Now you're living on the inside. That's why we live out of newness of life. So Paul's saying, it might sound like that, that you're saying it's okay to say, because grace is greater. But no, what I'm, what I'm telling you is, is that you're a new person. When you get saved, you have a new nature. See, a new nature, it doesn't want to sin. The nature doesn't, but we still have a flesh, and still have a mind. The answer is not guilt and condemnation. The answer is, is to walk under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Through the word of God. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's not just preaching hard at people. You can preach hard at people. And I've found this. There's a lot of people when you preach hard at them. They may stop sinning publicly. Mm. But it doesn't mean to say they're not sinning privately. Yeah. See, it's not about, and nobody goes home with anybody. This is about the Holy Spirit you take home with you. And when you walk with the Holy Spirit, He talks to you all the time. He'll help you. He'll help you through your weaknesses. Amen. If you fall flat on your face, He'll be the very one who picks you up Amen. and helps you. He will not condemn you when you're down, because that doesn't free you. He'll pick you up when you're down. Praise God. I, I fell flat on my face over the years as a Christian, really big at times. And when I was down on the ground, I cried out to God and talked to God. And do you know what? He was the one who picked me up. So you walk with him. This is a living experience with a living God. Amen. Romans 6 and verse 12. Look at that. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. 
that you should obey it in the lust thereof, because you still have lusts in your body. Neither yield your members of instruments of unrighteousness as sin, but yield yourselves unto God. Look at that, as those that are alive from the dead. In other words, you're saved, amen? And your members as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under what? Grace, true grace gives you dominion over sin. It doesn't say go and sin. Jesus didn't say to the woman, go and sin. He said, go and sin no more. But how do you do that? The only way to do that is to come under grace and truth. Sin won't have the power over you, the hold over you that it once did if you come under grace and truth. Amen. If the law could set you free, you could have stayed under it. But Jesus, well, the word here, Paul is, is sharing here, but it's saying here, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law. If the law was the answer, just stay under it. The law was not the answer. Grace and truth is the answer, amen. Um, let me look over in Titus here quickly for a second. Titus 2 and verse 11, it says... For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. Okay, so it's talking about grace here. Then what does it talk about? Teaching us. What's that? Truth. Grace and truth. What does it teach us to sin? What does it say? Here's a, here's a real great loophole. Just sin because you're under grace. Here's the reality. But grace is bigger than sin. But not alone is it bigger than sin. It is greater than sin. Amen. It's greater than it. So grace gives you the ability, instead of sin controlling your life, grace gives you the ability to bring it under in your life. Mm -hmm. That's what grace is for. But people just think grace is a license to sin. No, grace is God's provision in our life, his ability in our life, enabling us to say no. Some people just say, just say no. Well, have you tried that? It's not just saying no. You need the help. Amen. That's what grace does. Jude um, chapter 1. Jude was dealing with people that were misusing the gospel. Look what it says here in verse 4. For there were certain men that crept in on the words. Who were before of old ordained unto this condemnation. Ungodly men. These men weren't saved. Okay. Look at that. Turning the grace of God into what? Lasciviousness. And denying the only Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ. These were, these were people who had the appearance of godliness. They looked godly, but they weren't godly. And they took the grace of God and turned it into a license to sin. That is not grace. These are people who were ungodly people who misuse grace as a license to sin. When people say grace is great, I'm going out to get hammered, they're misusing grace. Grace is not designed for you to live in drunkenness, to sleep around, and all of those kind of things. That's not what grace does. Grace sets you free. But here's the thing. Jesus is so loving, he cares about people in those conditions. He brings them in, ministers to them, so that he can set them free. Grace doesn't push people away. Grace brings people in. But it doesn't co say cozy up to sin. It says, let me help you set you free. Because you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Amen. In the New Living Translation, it says, um, some people are saying that grace allows us to live immoral lives. That's not what grace is for. 
Praise God. In 2 Peter, it says, you can read there in chapter 2, it says the same thing. I'm just going to cut through something here. But it says that these people, they were talking evil of the truth, okay? Look at verse 19. It says, while they promised them liberty, they themselves were the servants of corruption, of whom a man is overcome, the same is uh, of the same is brought into bondage, okay? So let me tell you, uh, grace sets you free, but a counterfeit just keeps bringing people into bondage. It doesn't help them. Grace doesn't set a person free. Grace and truth does. It takes both. It is not a loose thing. Amen? And in verse um, 20, it says, For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therewith, are overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the, than the beginning. It says here, For it, it is... Um, for it is better for them that have not, to have not known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandments delivered unto them. Verse 22, it says, uh, but, if, um, but it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit and the sow has washed um, in her wallowing in the mire. Let me tell you, this is talking about people that are dogs. These are talking about people who are sows. I don't believe we're talking about saved people here, okay? Because, you know, we, you're, you're saved. We're sheep. Amen. This is talking about people who have the appearance of salvation. Amen. Many people use godly principles. Even in religion, there's a lot of people. You, you look at people's lives over the years. I've seen film stars, movie, or, uh, um, rock stars, singers, pop stars. That's the word I'm trying to get. You know, I've seen people, you know, they embrace certain things of Christianity. They embrace certain principles and stuff. And many, for a period of time in their life, look like they were getting getting breakthrough. But you know what? Here's the reality. If all they were doing was just using Bible principles, but unless you receive Jesus, you can have Bible principles and you will escape some of the pollution that's in this world. This world is, is full of pollution. And you know, Bible principles will start helping you live a better life. It's just like, you know, self-help many times lets people live a better life. Okay? But here's the thing. Unless you get saved, you're not a sheep. Amen? And you know what, I, I've, seen people, I've seen people over the years become religious, and you know what happens? Do you see, when they leave all of those things, do you know what happens? Just religion, they end up worse than they were before they went down that path. But I'm telling you, when you follow Jesus, you don't end up worse. Amen? And when you receive Jesus, you don't end up worse. Praise God. Amen? I know them scriptures, they can be difficult. You know, there's another... Um, um, scripture that goes along with that. Do you know, remember when it said, Jesus said, you know, when someone has a demon cast out of them, do you know what, if they don't put something in its place, do you know what happens? They go and get seven more wicked and they come back and Jesus says their latter end was worse than their, well, their beginning. Do you know why? Because seven more demons came because nothing was put into place. You may know a person can be set free from oppression, demonic activity. That doesn't mean to say they're saved. You have to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. Amen. And so Jesus, Jesus doesn't just um, set us free from just the pollution in this world. Jesus sets us free from the sin nature. And so when you receive Jesus, you don't become a dog or a, a sow, you know, a pig. You don't, you don't become like the Bible says in Proverbs, where you know what, you can put an earring and, and, or a nose ring and a pig and dress it all up and put lipstick on it and all the rest of it. But it's still a pig, okay? 
That's what religion does. Let me tell you, Jesus gives us a new nature. Amen. And when you walk under grace and truth, let me tell you, you'll start living a more set free in life. That's what the belt of truth is. It protects you. It makes you productive. But it's also a belt of liberty from religion. And it's also a belt of freedom. Amen. And that's what the belt of truth does. It protects us from all of the deception of the enemy. Amen. Amen. Praise God.